pressure to Yamati. Durante with a free header. And the honour of Western United's first A-League goal goes to a familiar face. Bessart, Borussia. It's Connor Payne on the left. Alessandro Diamante, the ball on a string. And... Oh, Diamante! The Western service crew are celebrating. And welcome back to All Out West for our 100th episode spectacular. We started from the bunker and now we're here with 50,902 streams across the 99 episodes. Now, to celebrate, here's this carrot cake with a candle in it. Enjoy. Awesome. It's a good carrot cake. I can confirm. Now blow it out with me, everyone. No, I'm not going to do that. Now... I would like to take this moment to thank the fans, West United staff and players for the support, every guest who has jumped on the podcast, the We Are Woo, support, uh, Woo FC supporter group and admins, and to anyone who's helped build the community for our club. Now, this week you are joined by all of our OG members, minus Leb. We think he's sleeping off the weekend in Tassie. Uh, we have Wells is my boy, a.k.a. Scotty Too Hotty. We have Jay. We have Kelsey. Welcome, guys. 100th episode. How's it going? Straight off the bat, Scott, it's been a while between drinks. Yes, it has. Um, it's good to be back, but uh, yeah, struggling with work at the moment. And it's good to cut, finally make an episode after a really good win. So, I think you've just been hiding from it because you just want to have to like, um, talk um, negative on your favourite player, Jamie Young. No, no, he's been um, pretty good lately. I gave him a vote or two, maybe. Oh, sorry. Oh, no. What happened there? You there, Scotty? That was all. You cut off all the positive stuff I just said about Jamie Young. Now I'm finished. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Don't worry, I fixed it for you. Thanks. I changed your name to Youngie's Bot. Have you got a pre bar? For the 100th episode, I'm going all out. (laughs) Well, cheers, boys. Uh, He's up there. Thought Kelsey was on the strong stuff today. But um, yeah, we've got. We've got Kelsey. How are you going today, mate? It's been a long journey. Kelsey's gone too. Okay. Now, Jay, what have you got in the background there? And welcome. Yeah, g'day. Um, good 100th start. We know we've already had two minor <laughs> issues with with the, the video chat, but wouldn't be a real pot if we didn't. Um, yeah, so in the background, we have a gift from the club. Um, it's a personalised Guernsey with AOW and 100 on the back that they've decided to gift us for our 100th episode. Um, it was given to me a couple of weeks ago at the uh, Ballarat game, but I accidentally left it with all the club gear, so I had to pick it up in Tassie. I forgot it again, and luckily, as I was about to jump, jump on the plane, Caleb quickly... Said, oh, I've got it and gave it to me. So luckily we were able to get it for for this podcast. And, yeah, it's just a fantastic gift from the club. We'll probably start track that one up in the background for all our future episodes. So thanks to Weston for that one. 100%. Now, let me just scroll down. Do you want me to such sign a... it? Nah, Scott, it's, it's all good. We don't want it to devalue. Um, <laughs> no, but such a... <laughs> Such a th- uh, thankful thing for the club. Shout out Lucy, Chris, and everyone, Ben, all the people who have been out, helped us out through the journey. Now, Kelsey's lost his, lost connection, so we'll keep motoring on. I would like to take a mo. I- 
Um, sorry about that. I was just reading. Uh, I would like to take a moment to ask you what your highlight from the last three years of the club has been, and then we'll go into what the UFC group uh, poll we put up uh, about a week ago. Uh, Scott, what's been your highlight thus far? What, throughout the... Three years. What's What's been... Um, look, some of, some of the away games probably probably my biggest highlight. And, you know, just getting away with all the, all the crew, having a great time, barely watching the game, but really enjoying it. Jumping on the pod. I miss the old bunker. They were the good old days. <laughs> but, yeah, no. Yeah. It's been, been a big ride and... Hopefully it ends this year ends with a trophy after three years. That'd be amazing. Definitely. Now, Kelsey, I just asked what um, our highlights have been. Do you have a highlight for us of the three years before we go to the We Are UFC poll? So, look, I'll go. Yeah, definitely. Like that first game was great. I don't know what anyone else said. Um, I, I did enjoy the bunker. Um, also enjoyed our cups of tea and Scott ragging on us for having cups of tea on the pod. Um, what else? The 5 4 game where I took my mate, to, that was his first game. Um, and then the first win against City, which was his second game where we came from behind. There have been some good yeah, highlights. Brando's lucky. Shout out Brando. He's coming to the finals, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to, so I'm gonna have to try and drag him. <laughs> We all might yeah. have to chip in for him, but we can get in there for all pain. Yeah, I'll chip in. 100%. Um, now, Jay, what's your, been your highlight over the three years? It's uh, hard to pick because, you know, there's honestly, uh, being such an active member of the crew and the podcast, you know, I do I, I do uh, a fair bit. Um, so I'm, I'm luckily the club involves me in a lot as well like um there was the media day we all went down and we made a banner with the players um jumping on a boat and telling tomoki Mai that there were sharks in the water so they're not hanging a lego out um but like off the top of my head the number one would be probably that first big away trip to adelaide um we had like a good contingent of supporters go it was our biggest win at the time ever uh, it was away from home. We saw a bunch of goals, Grouse Stadium. Um, so, like, yeah, if I could pick any sort of moment, it'd probably be that one. But there's so many to pick from. From Obviously, we've got multiple derby wins against both our crosstown rivals. Um, we've got making the finals, winning a final. Uh, we've got, you know, our biggest win ever, which we'll get on to in this pod. So, um, and it's also the prospect of knowing that there's more memories to come um yeah it's, honestly I'd, lo- I'd love to hear what everyone else has to say from the poll because this in such a short amount of time there's already been so so many memories made i didn't even say wellington which was our first ever game my first ever trip to new zealand so yeah it's been it's, such a like, <clears throat> sorry to cut you off but it's, it's the community. no you're right yeah no it's it's exactly it. all of us have touched on i haven't done mine yet but mine's first game and also that boat experience, watching Barisha try to learn how, like, wanting to drive the boat. That was 10 out of 10. Um, mm. And then the boat, like, trying to leave and Tomoki and I jumping the fence with Mace of that dock. <laughs> dock like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like the, 
first-hand experience we have with the players and staff, it's just such a community club, and I think that's what differentiates it from every other one. We have such great relationships with so many people in it and such good first-hand experiences. But we'll go to the, uh, like, what everyone voted in the We Are UFC poll. And so the f- most voted with 42 votes was the first game against Victory, which that was a nail-biter. We're down 2-0 at Marvel Stadium within minutes from memory. And then we, we get another two, and then McDonald, Scott McDonald scores the four, like the, the last one to, to clench the derby win for us. That was That was beautiful. Second one, 18 votes, which I voted for, was the first preseason friendly. Then um, the season one, Adelaide away, which you said, Jay, came third on 11 votes. Um, the Wu 4-3 victory where Victor Sanchez gets that last dying second goal. That was amazing. That was probably the highlight of last season. Um, Pull it down then, a man too. Yeah, it was, it was chaos. That's um, like... M. Night Shyamalan would write that. You know what I mean? It's amazing. Um, the Tassie trip, first A-League game in Wellington. Um, someone really liked the open poll. Um, Andrew Trent <laughs> this, which was a good one. Creating the lowest crowd in A-League history with 915 fans against Newcastle. It was actually like 920 or something. So, Trent, get your facts right. I'm pretty sure I commented yeah. on that. Um, and but shout thank, out, Trent. Thanks to COVID for taking that, taking that away from us as well with Wellington having to play a game. So technically mm. not the lowest. Yeah, I think 53 anymore. was one of the games. Um, but a Garuccio Scorpion kick only got two point, uh, two votes in this poll, which mm. is pretty crazy. And then one vote went to Wu 5 versus 4 Perth, which Kelsey's touched on, and Diamante's double got one vote as well versus West Sydney Wanderers, where he just, like, destroyed that keeper with a little, little sneaky one. Oh, the chip ones. Yeah. yeah. So think about it. The, the short three-year three year history of the club, there's just so many great memories. And, yeah, it's great to see the community growing. Now, sorry, I'm just scrolling. Terribly formatted file today. Uh, any Anything else you guys want to touch on in, down a bit of the old trip down memory lane? Um, even just taking um... – my other nephew, because obviously Noah's Scott's son's my, my nephew as well, but I'm taking my other nephew Lucas to his first game to Ballarat a couple of weeks ago. That was great when he got to see the penalty save and how excited he got and converting him over as well. Yeah, and that was also a draw, wasn't it? It was, but he was excited he in... nonetheless. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's just it's such an amazing time from yeah from its inception, from those early meetings to the bid announcement. Just seeing it grow has been just a wonderful thing to be somewhat a part of and, yeah, just being able to... Oh, sorry, I've yeah, got odd, one odd. more odd memory memory one. Andrew Tran shaving his beard because he didn't want to catch COVID. <laughs> oh, actually, I, I forgot about that. I have one last good one. I don't know why I thought of it. Also, where I when I went to the wrong stadium back in December. <laughs> um, just just back to that Andrew one as well. Very funny. He was he was coughing the whole game as well, <laughs> and, <laughs> and people were giving him a few side eyes. But he's like, "Oh, I've shaved my beard so I don't get COVID." Proceeded to cough during the whole game. Also, something I want to <sighs> quickly touch on. Uh, it's not specifically a memory. But it's like um, 
midway through 2019, I think was the first time I met you boys. You know, none of us knew each other back then. Um, I pretty much just knew uh, Caleb. Um, we've been friends for a while. Mitch, who's been on the, I, I think he's been on the pod once. Uh, if not, you know, if you're part of the crew. He has been Mitch. at least once. And yeah, and and like uh, Heinzy as well. I'd only known a few people. Now there's probably about 30, 40, 50 different blokes that come up, say hi. We have a chat. You know, there's a bunch of mates that we've made um, in and out. In both in the crew and like around, you know, the supporter base. Um, for example, like our uh, musket, she doesn't really join in the active or she sits behind the active most of the time. But you know, um, she, another good example of a person that we've met that I never would have met without the club. So it's like, you know, we know so many other like-minded people that love their football and love the club, and that in of itself just adds to the whole experience because. I can guarantee none of these memories would mean much if you didn't have like. It sounds a bit corny, but the 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 mates and and the friends to share it with. So, um, yeah, I like big big shout out to the club for getting us this kit, but a bigger shout out for bringing all all of the supporters together from around the west and making it making so many enjoyable experiences for all of us. 100% agree. It's the community they've built that's been amazing. Um, I'm just yeah. I'm just looking forward to when we're all about 20, 30 years later, we create the uh, the whole south end because we're all old farts mm -hmm. at that stage and all the young people are taking over and we'll just, every now and then, we'll just give it a chance out, out seeing them, show them what the old school is like. <laughs> We get we get to, we get to sit in the um, Andrew Mantrand uh, memorial stand. He he won't be dead. He won't be dead, but it'll still be a memorial stand. <laughs> He'll be half robot by then, but um, yeah, we'll be sitting in the Mantrand stand. <laughs> Fifteen the to problem. twenty league titles. <laughs> Here's the problem. We're, we're going to have a three-sided stadium. So where's the, like, where are you going to sit to oppose the, like, the main active? Maybe we put the main, the opposition active in the man train stand. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, um, but before we move on, I'd like to give a shout out to all the crucial people behind the We Are UFC page, which is a great platform for fans to talk. Sonia, um, Brooke, as you said, I think Asher is involved in that. And like other long-term fans we've made along the way, Eddie, there's so many good people in this group and so many people you like to see. Um, yeah. Did you guys want to get into a bit of the old game review? Yes. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Let's get oh, I'm excited it. for this one. After last week's pure depressive episode, this one's going to be ecstatic. Yeah. Now, I'll just get into it. First game of the Tassie Tour took place at Utah Stadium on the 16th of 4th against the Flandering Perth Glory in front of 2,231 people who, in all honesty, had the MPL team out there. This was a straight-up mugging by West United and a beautiful performance. So I don't think this game needs the usual analysis. We're not going to be dissecting goals or anything like that because it'll take too long. But now... Jay, you were there game day. What was it like? What was Tassie there? Did you bring a jumper? You know what? I brought uh, too many jumpers, not enough pairs of shorts. It was warm. It was probably the best weather I've ever experienced down in Tasmania. 
and it was pretty much perfect for football. Slightly overcast, maybe a touch muggy, but like great, like yeah, just perfect conditions to watch a game of football. Not too hot, not too cold. Um, yeah, we did get to the ground a little late because a few of us flew in pretty late, but uh, we got down there and it was already the atmosphere was already pretty electric. That's Good question awesome. uh, about that. Yeah. Uh, who was the shirtless guy waving the flag? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so that happened when we did a, our classic shirts off. Um, also, shout out to, uh, before I forget to mention, uh, I think it was one of the, it was a Devonport soccer club. Um, they came down, uh, big show of support. There was probably about 20 to 30 of them that came down and jumped in the active. Not all, like, like, uh, and a few of them were like getting into almost every chant. Um, we're willing to learn. Shout out to them. Um, but uh, we all took our shirts off, and all of a sudden, some guy runs down from the stands, and he took his shirt off, and he was absolutely ripped. So we were like, "Oh no, yeah. we see why he's come down. We see why he's come down." So somebody gave him a flag. He stood there, was waving his flag, shirt off, six pack out, and we were all just like, "Yeah, fair cop." You know, that's he's put us. He's put the whole service crew to shame. <sighs> yeah, I I saw that on the broadcast because they cut to it because it was like I think someone was down, and you just see this this jack dude, and I'm like, "Wow, that the, the crew got like pretty tough in the off season." Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else to comment about the day? How was the pregame pub? How, like, so it was a lot of interaction with local fans. Yeah, so um, a lot of interact. Uh, well, not so much at the pub. Um, the pub, uh, like we put in to come to the pub if you were over eighteen for all the Devonport boys. But a lot of them, there's only a couple of them that were eighteen, so they decided to uh, head straight to the game. But a few of them drove past the pub. We were standing at the front. Um, and they were, you know, waving flags from the side of their utes and really, really, you, you know, getting around supporting the club. Um, but there were also a couple of families. Um, so the names escape me, but we see them week in, week out, a few from Geelong, um, a couple of first-time away trips uh, for some people. A shout-out to Rizzo, who came down as well, took the spirit of Tasmania, and um, Liam, who's a... Uh, dirty South Melbourne supporter, but has now decided that if South Melbourne don't have a, an A League team, then I might as well go for Western. So he's jumped. He decided to come down and and experience his first away trip. He loved it. Um, yeah. So there, there were about 15, 20 of us at the at the pub pregame. We all got a feed and then um, headed over a bit too late because a few of us buggered up our tickets and we forgot what time it started and rocked up probably about five minutes before kickoff. And had to quickly rush oh, to God. set everything up. But we were able to do it probably about two, three minutes into the game, get everything set up, and, yeah, away we went. What was the beer like in the the stadium? Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Well, uh, I think the, oh. I think the, the sound, uh, the mics were down at that stage. So we wouldn't have even known if you guys yeah. were up. The mo- yeah. It was just so, the commentator. But believe it or not, um, I was I, I had a chat with a couple of the Perth fans at halftime, and they were talking to their f- friends back in home in Perth, and they did something very similar to what happened when we were in Wellington, and they set the mic up in front of the Perth active and not our active, 
So when we went to Wellington, um, the mics were in front of the 15 Western United supporters that were there. So that's all you could hear over the telecast. It got flipped around in Tassie. So the mics were set up down the other end. So every time you could hear a Perth chant, but to be fair, they were making a fair bit of noise at times. Yeah, you could hear that pretty clear over the telecast from what I could hear. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was um, still I, from touchline, from down on the ground, we still made some pretty good sound. Yeah, what Scott was talking about was the um, the broadcast was actually not work, like was not done properly, so nothing was coming through for the first few minutes. That's all good. I'll be back in two seconds. I've just realised I got to go charge my laptop before it casts it. <laughs> we'll continue talking. Um, Kelsey, you want to do the next uh, question? Okay, I guess we'll go into the only negative of the uh, real downside of the game, and that's penalties. So, obviously, we got two penalties during the game with one minute, one saved by our ready and the other one scored. But, again, it continues our trend of missing opportunities when we get penalties. Now, given that finals is coming up where a game might be decided by something as simple as a penalty, do you reckon we need to require more work on penalties or do you reckon we're just sucking everybody in and a bunch of Letizias will come out of the woodwork come the finals? Oh, I reckon it's a massive psych out. I reckon we're doing it on... Sorry, you go, Scott. No, no, it's like a big delay. You start talking after I've already started talking. But I think it's more interesting. I'll catch, I'll catch Jay up and then we'll, I'll throw back to you, Scott. So, Jay, the question basically is, so we're talking about uh, the only negative of the game, which is penalties and missing opportunities like we have throughout the season. Um, yep. Basically, do you think it's something we need to work on or do you think like we're sucking everybody in a bunch of Letizias will come out of the woodwork come finals? Scott, I'll throw to you first. I think we're holding back and we're going to go, we're going to throw Wales on penalties and he'll nail every single one of them. I would like to follow up with that. I also think it's a psych out, but yeah, I that first penalty was, wasn't great, but being able to back that up, have the confidence and experience to go on to come in and pretty much do the exact same thing again to psych out the goalkeeper. I, I respect that mind games. Mm. That's Jake's thoughts level. Um, yeah, on the penalty, um, it happens to the best of them. You know, um, you see good penalty takers miss penalties. I'm not super fast. I, I still would rather have Prijevic because of the amount of power he can hit the ball and he has the ability to place it as well. I think he's our best um, in-the-box specialist. Um, and if I could pick anyone, if I could put my life on anyone to take a penalty in our team at the moment, it would be Prijevic. So, um Obviously, would have lost that bet for that first penalty, but, you know, it happens. Um, he came back. He proved that he could come back and score another one um, later on in the game. So I, I don't think it's a real issue. Against more quality, greater quality opposition, maybe, you know, then you start to get a little worried. But hindsight, look at the scoreboard. Um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't as big a problem as it could have been. Although um, I did... I did mention to Johnny Aloisi at training the next day that I was very disappointed in the squad because I thought we'd win at least 7-0. So, and he said, yeah, yeah, I'll have a chat to Preo about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah, look, my opinion... Start... Sorry, Scott, you go. You, you would think they would start practising more penalties with finals coming up and, you know, end, of, end games 
If it's a draw, it's going to go to penalty. So you'd want to hope that they start working on the penalty kick soon, just in case. Mm. Look, yeah, yeah, preview is, definitely. Well, sorry, Kelsey. Yep. No, nah, look, my opinion is simple. Like it, penalties to me with all clubs team to ebb and flow. You go through stages where you miss a couple, and then you go through stages where you start getting them in. I, I feel like the tide is turned with Previc having the confidence to take the second one, and I'm confident we'll be right with penalties for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. I also agree with um, with Scott as well. Like coming in the finals, and they will drill it. You know that you've got to drill penalties because there might be a point where we it comes down to a penalty shootout, and you don't want to have somebody that's not take a penalty in, you know, a while to have to take one on the spot with all the pressure. So, um, however, pre if he is our penalty taker, he will be drilling penalties a couple times a week, or at least once a week, or something like that. You know, and it's also something that you'd have. Essentially, in your muscle memory, it's just the pressure that gets to you. Because I can guarantee you, you go put Priyavik in at the penalty spot and he'll probably score 50 out of 50 at training. But it's the added pressure of doing it in the game that um, really adds to it. So uh, I, I don't have a problem with um, him missing a penalty. If he misses, you know, a couple more, then you've got to look at, look at it. But these things happen. Do, do you think... Maybe the club should get the crew down and we can all stand around and get it quite abusive towards the players as they're having a penalty <laughs> shot just to sort of you know, put a bit of pressure on them. From personal experience, I, I think negative reinforcement isn't going to help us too much, Scotty. But <laughs> it might have to happen if we start missing. If we miss five penalties in a row, we'll go with your, we'll go with your solution, I reckon. <laughs> Scott's well, waiting. I actually did a thing on this. I actually did a thing on this in um, university when I was doing sports psychology and that. And it's actually only a uh, small percentage actually thrive in like negative conditions. I was one of those mm. rare people. I enjoyed being in the away crowd and being abused, but most people actually don't like the abuse. They actually perform yeah. much worse. Which is why having a, such a strong support um, for these games really matters. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> let's keep it moving now. Wales had a return to form in this game with the, the first goal coming off Connor Payne, who also had a belter of a game with the ball finding its way to Wales and then just deflecting in. Wow. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about Lockie Wales in this game. This season, he's provided a, quite a number of assists, but he'd finally found the back of the net. And when it rains, it pours for Lockie Wales. Kelsey, what are your thoughts on Lockie Wales on this evening? And what was your favourite goal? Well, you're, you're right. When it rains, it bloody pours. Like, next thing you know, what was it two minutes later, he's scoring a volley from just on the edge of the box? Yeah. And then the just before half time, Yeah, I, I, look, I really liked the volley. Um, I enjoyed the humour of the deflection being his first goal and to start the run of it. Like, Because up until that point, that first 20 minutes, Perth were probably the better side or at least competing on an even keel with this. And then that deflection just changed everything, especially the penalty save, like they had some momentum. And then that deflection, everything just changed. Mm. Jay, your thoughts? <clears throat> oh, well, we actually thought it was kind of pain for about until half time that scored that first goal. Cause from our angle, it looked like he kind of pain had just whipped it in. Um, and then we, so we, if you actually probably can hear us on the telecast, we're doing the Connor Payne chant. Um, 
But then, yeah, we, we checked at halftime and we saw, oh, you know, it's deflected off Lockie, good on him. And then we're, then we're like, hang on a minute, that means he's got a hat-trick. So, yeah, he's gone from having no goals. Done the, If you remember, Max Burgess did it in um, our first season. Max Burgess didn't score a goal all season, then scored three in 45 minutes. So, And then kept scoring pretty much went a goal a week um, from then on out. So hopefully Lockie can do the same. Um, good to see him get a like the at least a goal because he definitely deserved one. Um, but to get three, you know, it definitely makes his whole season look a lot better. Um, yeah, I, it, it was it, it was great for him. Also sort of played more centrally as well. If you notice, he wasn't playing out as wide. He was playing in the middle behind Prijevic. So we had Prijevic out. The, like He was like more of a like a false, almost a false nine, but we still had a, a striker in front of him. So we had... Payne on the left, uh, Parias on the right, Previch in the middle up front, and Wales just sitting behind him. And Wales fed off the ball, getting cut back into him. Um, I think that movement, that tactical change from Aloisi enabled him to get those goals. Like that second goal, the volley we were talking about, that was a poor clearance, but he was, because his position had been changed from out wide to in the middle, Wales was there to collect it and send it straight back in. So I, I think we can also credit John Aloisi to the the hat-trick that um, Wales scored this week because him being moved, um, he definitely, yeah, definitely reaped the benefits from that. <clears throat> yeah. Scott, any thoughts? Um, I must say, you guys may think it, but it wasn't an accident goal. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> the whole time. If he knew he put his foot that slight bit up in an awkward position, it was going in. <laughs> he had no uh, idea what happened by his facial reaction. He was confused as to what the He hell was happened. just surprised that it worked. That's all. <laughs> I'll give you credit for that. Yeah. Oh, Greg, it, once, last time Wales did get the hat trick, didn't he come out and start kicking a few more single goals afterwards? I could be wrong here, but I thought the hat-trick really set him off for the rest of the season. Was it last season? Has he scored a hat-trick for us? I don't know if he I has. don't think I he think scored he a hat-trick. I think it was the brace. Or was it the double? And then after that... He's definitely he scored, scored a double, a goal, yeah. It up ...with another goal, and he was best, probably his career best form after he kicked those mm. two goals. So hopefully it could be a spark in his light and he could come out for the rest of the season. Unlock, yeah. yeah, so you're right. Basically, as soon as he starts scoring, usually goals come thick and fast for him. He usually does them in big clusters. So hopefully that trend continues running into the finals. Mm. Um, when I was at uh, open training as well on uh, Sunday, he did come up and say hi because we were just honestly just sitting off to the side a little bit, seedy, just waiting for our plane. Um, but he came up and said hi. He noticed us, came up and said hi. Quickly, and I said, um, surely another hat-trick on Tuesday, and he said, I reckon. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past him. You know, I wouldn't put it past him to at least score again on Tuesday. I reckon if, if you saw him in training as well, um, they looked very hungry, um, even though it was just sort of, you know, an open session. Gassed up at the moment and ready to go. He looked like he could have played another game right after our win. Yeah, definitely. Um, any final... Kelsey, you're next? Yeah, no, so I guess 
The next point would be the connection on that left side with Garuccio and uh, Payne. That caused havoc the entire game. How good was it just to see that connection between them again? Because that was one of the early things, like in the season, that really got us those one nils was that connection on that left side of the pitch. Jay, I'll throw to you first. Well, yeah, Payne put it – look, it, uh, we'll whip the stats up if somebody can um, for that game. But Payne put like an unbelievable amount of crosses in. Um, Garuccio as well. Um, most of our attacking did come down from the left-hand side, but we will, were still able to attack down the right with Parais on the on the right-hand side, which is also where I think he thrives. He's played a lot of his career down that side. And, um, you know, without Josh Risden, um, we do tend to struggle a bit on that right side. But this game wasn't the case because I think we were able to shift the ball across to Dylan so much. Tomoki didn't have to go forward. Uh, so he didn't have to worry about coming back as much, um, which, yeah, it it the left side like performed so well because we were performing well all over the pitch. So they, you know, if if you're only doing well on one side, you're going to be able to be defended down that side because you know everyone can shift across. But yeah, I, that is definitely where I see a, the majority of our goals coming from that left hand side. Garuccio been one of the, the best this season. Payne really found form after his injury in this game. Um, yeah, the, the left pegs on those boys are really going to – like, we're going to need them firing if we're going to be winning games get, going into this final series. Very, very exciting. I mean, yeah, obviously it was an undermanned Perth, but I think that was their best attacking performance of the season. It couldn't have happened – any better because we were on the we we're on the down really with only what one win in five games or something mm. shit like that so it's yeah it was a under men perth but the, the the team won't look at it that way they'll look at it a six nil win they'll come back out hungry ready hopefully full of confidence again on tuesday night mm. Completely agree. It was great to see just how that was working. I still think we have gaps on that right side, but Tomoki and I still doing pretty good in that right back role with Joshy Risden out. Imagine how we'd be firing if Risden wasn't injured right now. Mm. But how long's the effort? They re- there's rumours that he might be back for finals, but whatever. I've heard he might be back for finals, but they're keeping it under wraps, and and I don't think they're going to rush him. I don't think they're going to yeah. rush him back. At his age, it's not worth rushing back. And Amai's doing a pretty good job. And having Laquire on the same side as Amai really backs him up really strongly. Um, yeah, it's not ideal, but again, we, we, we've done it. We, we've catered with it. Um, yeah. Do you want to move on to the next bit? And this is probably the first time we're going to say this. How great was it being 4-0 up at halftime? And then take from that, giving uh, Aloisi giving a number of young players' minutes. Like, we got Milo, DWH, Skatardis, and DWH I'm including there because he hasn't had, in my opinion, enough minutes this season. Um, getting to have a bit of a go. Bayou as well, who I'm a big fan of. I'm um, just trying to think of who else we subbed in. Uh, who else we get? Kryn was the other one. Yeah, Kryn was subbed off from... Um, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm quite happy with that. What do you guys think? Who would like to take it? 
I'll be more than happy to take it. Obviously, um, I was talking a bit of shit about Dylan Wenzel Halls last week, um, but he's gone out and he's done exactly what he needed to do, grab a goal, get back in that goal scorer's column, and you can thank Johnny for that, you know. You can also thank the boys up to half time for giving us that lead because, um, on- honestly, I think our best 11 started this game. But um, to see Bayou come off, get straight after it, um, you know, Dylan Wenzel Hall has pretty much capitalised on a really big mistake from Perth, but you still got to be there. you still got to be able to put it away, and he did that. So, um, yeah, I I think all the subs were pretty much tactically perfect. Um, we didn't really concede many chances that whole game, and then when we did, Young was there. Like any other game, if it's a 1-0 game and we don't have much going forward, Young probably gets votes from everyone this week. Um yeah, and we, we we were just good all over the park. Even a, even our um, even our subs that came on and got limited minutes. Um, very very impressed. Yeah, Scott and, thoughts. Oh, sorry, Kelsey. Oh, okay. Look, Harry, you go. Cool. I was just say, look, other good thing was, I thought really this match was actually brilliant tactics from Aloisi and the team all around. Like, I agree with Jay. This is the best possible eleven we could have put out for this game. But it was also great that he recognised we're 4-0 up. Let's get some minutes into the players going into finals. Or touch wood, we don't get any more injuries. But if we do, at least we've got players who have had some minutes on the pitch going into these bigger, more crucial games ahead. And I thought that was really brilliant. They took that opportunity, especially just in that run home. Mm. You're right, Kelsey, because it, it doesn't just um, rest our players that will be starting. It also gives confidence to the players that might need to come on. Yeah, like you, like you said, DOH, he's gotten there, he's gotten in the box, he was at the right moment, right time, put it away, that's now confidence for him. Um, you know, Skatavis Milanovic looked good when they were on. Bayou looked great when he was on. No, not, not everyone gets confidence from this game and moves on. Yeah, on Skatavis as well, he has to be most improved this season, I think we can all agree. Did Theo like so far as um, Theo uh, wasn't on the Theo didn't make the team. Um, only Ryan Scott and an academy player didn't get minutes Collins. in this game. Collins, Collins yeah, oh, they were the only two players not subbed on. I want to see more of Collins after seeing him in that. Uh, was it the preseason match? I, I want to see more of him. I w- wouldn't mind if he gets a bit of a game because I think he is a defender. And he, is, he, could be, he could be a future. Like, he, he looked really good in that preseason match. And I'd like to see... It would have been good to see him get a bit of action down, down defence. Yeah. Um, Kelsey, you're up next. No, that's cool. Did you have anything to add to that? Or are you happy with... Well, okay, I'll, I'll be short. But there was a really good run where... Um, Perth had a really good press. They had a, they had the ball in the box, and they had that large dude, the tall guy that they subbed on uh, in the second half, and he he was looking dangerous for them. Probably the most dangerous they'd been since the early minutes of the game. And we got possession of the ball. Bayou got it and just legged it to the other end. And it was just I'm really I like what I'm seeing from Bayou. That's it for me. Cool. No, that's great. So then I guess going on from that. Like, obviously, the, as Scott pointed out, you know, we'd lost, we'd basically had won five of the last six games. We finally had a big win. Do we all think we can continue this and get a run on going into the finals now? Because if we win all our games, we can win the Premier's play. 
I I'm going to say yes, um, but I think a win tomorrow. So or today, if you're listening as it's released um, against a, uh, I think it's Macarthur in Tassie. Um, that's crucial because we're going to be playing a lot of away games up until our finals run. Finals is sorted. We're in. It's guaranteed. I think um, we'd be on 40-odd points now, and they reckon the cutoff, like the the minimum – well, they reckon minimum is usually 35. This season might be 38, but I, I reckon for sure we've made the finals. Um, it's just – yeah, we obviously we've got a run of away games coming up. And you want to have as many points before that run as you can. So I think Premier's plate's still on, but we have to win against MacArthur in Tasmania. Scott? Um, well, yeah, as Jay said, this one's very crucial. MacArthur in slightly good form. We technically aren't first yet until we've won the game. So we still are behind. So it is... Pretty important against MacArthur. They're coming off a win. I'm pretty sure they won to one. And yeah, I look. I think they. I think the boys can go all the way. Do I dig down? I, I just have a feeling that something is going to happen. Unfortunately, I reckon it will be this week. This week, I reckon MacArthur might have too much of a jump on us, but I hope I'm wrong. Hmm. Cool. Let's keep it moving. Um, in conclusion, in fairness to Perth, outside of Ready, they had essentially an NBL squad out there, which we've discussed. <clears throat> and we're not on the same par in a lot of areas. Um, but it was great to see the, quad, the squad be ruthless with the op- opportunities presented. Any final thoughts, or do you guys want to move on to Player of the Year? Yeah, just I'm a quick final thought. I, I just have one quick final uh, point from that game while we're on it. Um, so we were pretty much uh, the service crew was um, stood out front of the team um, change rooms. So we were pretty much right outside of where um, uh, all like all of our players went in after the game. And to counteract uh, Scotty, Scotty reckons we're going to drop this week. I think we're going to double down and win this week because I've never heard scenes coming out of a change rooms like that. They were going absolutely off. They posted it on social media, but I could hear it from about 30 metres away, you know, inside the stadium. And that the team room's down a race behind closed doors, and I could hear the players, clear as anything, um, celebrating post-game. So I think um, we've, it's definitely heads held high at the moment, pushing forward for the club, and I'm keen to get into next week or next game. See, I think if, if, if we do beat MacArthur, I'll be less worried. I think we've pretty much won the title, then I don't think we'll stop. It's just, yeah, I just reckon MacArthur's the one danger game we've got left. I know we've got Phoenix still, but I just reckon MacArthur's the one. Um, MacArthur can be a problem on any given day. Uh, depends which MacArthur shows up. But if the yeah. same team that showed up against Perth um, shows up against MacArthur, then I don't think we'll have a problem beating him. As long as the team that shows up against <clears throat> MacArthur isn't the team that showed up against Wellington and Ballarat, then I'll be happy. I'll just quickly add one thing. I'll share my thoughts in the uh, game review. Yeah. Are you mean preview? 
yeah, game preview. You know where I'm going with this. I, I don't. Can you confirm, Kelsey? <laughs> no, I can't. Let's move on. Uh-huh. Now, Player of the Season Award. This week, Kelsey gave three to Grucio, two to, uh, three to Wales, two to Grucio, one to Payne. Leb gave three to Wales, two to, two to DWH, one to DP. Jay gave three to Wales, two to Payne, one to Grucio. Scott, you gave three to Wales, two to DP, one to Payne. And I gave three to Wales, two to Payne, one to Kilkenny. Also, what I'm drinking this evening, product placement. Now... Any guesses to who's currently winning? Leaderboard wouldn't have changed from last week. Um, no, Stephen Lesticker is still coming first on 77 points. Uh, Jamie Young coming second on 75. Leo Lacroix coming second on 72. No real changes. It's been a lot of the mid-tier players, and I'm in mid-tier meaning ones that have performed differently, like Garuccio mopped up this week. Uh, Wales had a good one. As, uh, sorry, Wales mopped up. Garucci had a good one. So did Connor Payne. So good to see. And we'll keep moving. Now, right, I'm going to lead into some. This. Yeah. I'm going to say this. I will give three votes to Young for every clean sheet he does for the season, the rest of the season. He's already had a heap. No, no, but I'm starting this now. Every clean sheet he does, he will get three votes from me. Does that include the last game? I want to see four clean sheets. Okay, interesting. Now, I'm going to cut to an interview Kelsey and I had with Chris Palavanis, Western United CEO, last Wednesday. Stop me if I'm wrong, Kelsey, but is Chris our first recurring third-time appearance person on the podcast? You are correct. Yeah, so we're very chuffed to have it on. Uh, have you on? How's it going, mate? Well, I'm I'm thrilled to be the first. Um, we do a lot of firsts at this club, but um, that's another good milestone to tick off. Um, how am I going? Oh, I'm very good. I'm just excited. We're on the verge of going to Tasmania, two critical games for our team and our season. And, um, yeah, we're in a good place, sitting second on the table and, and um, you know, five games to go before finals. Mm, definitely, it's a, it's an interesting place to be at. Um, now, as we mentioned in the before we started, we're celebrating our hundredth episode, and we wanted to get you on to discuss how far West United has come since the bid was launched in two thousand eight, uh, twenty eighteen. Sorry. Um, now, straight off the bat, with your AFL connection, will you be throwing your hat in for the top job there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love the green and the black, and uh, I'm sticking. I'm sticking to uh, keep. Growing this club and, and being part of this journey and um, it's been exciting. And firstly, congratulations for you guys as well um, in terms of your 100th episode. That's an amazing achievement. And um, that's what keeps us going, yeah? The loyal fans, the loyal members. And, and, and you say where we come from, um, you know, we've got to 8,000 members. Um, you know, we've got to a club that is now just bigger than one team. You know, we've got our MPL boys playing. We've got our MPL Academy boys coming on next year. We've got our affiliation with Caller that will transition to an A-League women's team next year and and, and the growth of our women's academy space. So, um, and all the works we're doing on the on the stadium front that um, everyone's aware of. So, um, it's exciting. Um, I couldn't be more thrilled of where the club is at the moment. And But we've got a lot of hard work to continue to grow this club. Yep. 
And you just touched on briefly the, the fans at the start of that. And one of the great things the club does is actually the little things they do for the club, you know, given the um, support to the active group, working with the We Are, Uf- uh, we Are UFC team, um, and then just the access to the players and staff, in addition to all the community programs, um, has really made this club like really tight knit. Has this always been a clear motivation? Well, clear motivation, vision, whatever you want to call it. Without the fans and without the loyal supporters, we're nothing. Um, you know, at the end of the day, for this club to be successful, it needs a strong backbone and commitment from our community, and we need to make sure that. Um, everything and every decision we make um, underpins that. And, our, and really, we want to go on this journey together because, A, it's more enjoyable, but B, um, you know, there are a lot of good stories that underpin um, our fans and, our, and, and the journey we're going to go, we are on. So it's important that we do it together. Definitely. It's such a, it's an amazing thing. And as kind of Kelsey touched on, it's been amazing that we in the podcast have had such great access to yourself again, third time. We've spoken to a number of players who ideally we're not journalists, we shouldn't have access to. So we've really appreciated that along the journey. Um, now onto a bit of a different front question. Um, in 2021, West United players and staff were united under one roof for the first time after being split between different locations. How has this improved the day-to-day running of the business? Yeah, so when I joined, one of the things that, um, you know, prior to the commencement of our first ever game, some of the things were in place and, and some things that I probably, if I had my chance again, would have done differently if I was there from, from the first day. Um, one of the things was to get us all in an elite facility and, and be together. So what we we looked at the move to the hangar, the Essendon Football Club, as a real positive opportunity to, A, get our athletes into an elite environment, but B, for the first time, unite our administration with our with our um, with our football program, and the benefits of that are enormous. Not only do you get um, to work closely and create efficiencies, but from a culture point of view, it's really important because um, you know it's not the only time we see our athletes is not on the on the game day. We get to embed, we get to work together, we get to cr- provide greater access, we get to do a lot more activations. Um, and that's why I think it's been an important move. And it's also a good stepping stone to where we want to get to when we build our own facility, having everyone under one roof. And do you think it's had a positive overall impact on the playing group, especially this season, looking at the results? Yes, I do. I actually am a big believer that um, it has a, had a massive um, impact, um, the facility on, on the environment. But to be clear, I don't think... Um, you know, where we were in George Cross was substandard, but, you know, where we've gone to is the most elite facility in the state. So um, to say it hasn't had an impact would be, I think, doing it injustice. So um, no, I think it has been embraced by everyone, but um, it has also contributed to our success on the field, I believe. Now, I'd like to take a step back into 2019 when you joined the West United team. The first season was underway and obviously the club was growing in many facets. You kind of touched on there was a few things that you wanted to redo or change if you had been there from the beginning. Um, what area are you most proud of that you contributed to in West United thus far? Um, oh, probably the culture that we're trying to set in, internally and, and the quality of individuals that I've been able to um, attract to the club. I would say would be one of the biggest achievements, but 
Um, there's a lot we've done, you know, so to say it's one more than the other would probably not be right. Um, I really enjoy the journey we're going on and, and I can see the big picture vision and I can see that, you know, we're going to build something special um, both on and off the field and, and I can't wait to see this club in five years' time, ten years' time because it's going to be something special and on that way we're going to have some really good moments and we're going to have some challenging moments. Yeah, last year was really challenging. Um, we did not like where we ended up at the end of the season. That wasn't what we... Um, as West United and as the board and CEO and executive wanted the club to stand for, you know, we have, we, we're from the West. We want to underpin the values of the people of the West. We want to fight hard. We want to, you know, be there for our community. We want to do all those things. And I think we, we lost our way a little bit at the end of last season, but, you know, we had a really strong off season. We focused on some of the things and got back to the core of what this club is going to be stand for. And I think you can see that some of the work we've done this year um, is really showing that and it's coming to fruition. Um, what I will say, you know, the, the challenges of the pandemic have also been very difficult. You know, launching a club is hard enough, but launching it in a pandemic is even harder. And launching it, you know, when, you know, um, the league's also going through a big transition, when, you know, we don't have our own facility, stadium, home ground, all these challenges, you know, are real challenges. There are no excuses, but what it does do is it ensures our foundations are solid and what we're building is going to be special. Yeah, definitely love it. In addition to a lot of those things, did when you come on board, did you have like an action plan or objectives leading into the appointment? Yeah, I did. I sat down with um, our chairman and, and went through that. Um, but, you know, a lot of those things, you need to be nimble, you need to pivot that. And, you know, so we, we did a lot of, um, at the start of this year, for example, we did a lot of resetting and, and we shifted our focus to ensure that um, what we were doing is meaningful because, um, you know, it's all good and well to have objectives, but if they're irrelevant and not measurable, there's no point having them. So um, this season was a really good opportunity for us to do a stock take and, and reevaluate where we want to be as a club. Do you feel like you, um, just quickly off the cuff here, do you feel like it's starting to align with the, with the flexibility of the objectives? Yes, definitely. I mean, this season um, we've achieved a lot and, you know, we've grown our commercial base. We've got a lot of loyal sponsors. Um, we've got our memberships growing. Our on-field performance is, is um, going in the direction we want it to go. We've, we've attracted a lot of good talent to the club, both on and off the field and, and you know, a lot of credit's got to be given to our GM of football, Mel and Pivato, and and um, our new coach, obviously John Aloisi, um, has done a mountain of work as well. To not only um, you know, it's challenging when you appoint a new coach. Yeah, it's not only you're appointing the coach; they have to also buy into what you want the club to stand for. And and John's been able to not only um, buy into what we're trying to achieve, but also um, you know really enforce it. And that's now why I believe we're going to have a really, really um, strong future um, in the next, in particular in the next couple of years, but as we go on, um, you know, over the next five to 10 years. Yeah. Well, speaking of the um, next couple of years, um, in an article in the Herald Sun recently with uh, John Sarasis, it was stated that Jason. I'm saying, sorry? Jason. Jason, yeah, that's what I said, didn't I? In the Australian, in Australian. Jason Sarasis. Oh, the Australian, Australian yeah. sorry. Yes. Apologies, my mistake on no that. No problem. Oh, um, I'd say in three years, definitely we're in our main stadium, but we're in our precinct within the next 12 to 18 months. What effect 
do you think playing and training in the precinct will have on the players, staff and fans overall? It will be the biggest competitive advantage in this in this competition. It will give us a, a home, it will give us a base and it will give us an identity that no other club in the league will have and we'll um, drive that and we'll drive it in a way that people hate to come to our club, hate to come to, you know, from a competitive nature, I mean, and will give us a real sense of belonging. And that's something that I think is really powerful, not only in sport, but in the community. Um, and I think it's going to be something that we will take to another level. No, love it. I completely agree. I think it's that, that kind of thing we're just missing at the moment and it's going to really solidify us. Now, speaking on the stadium build, there's all like, again, we spoke about this every time you've been on, but I think it's one of those things that people outside of who've had to drive any form of project would just be like, why, why wouldn't you just build a stadium? It's for a couple of pieces of wood or whatever. But there's so much going on in Australia wide with multiple industries having issues with just what's happening with ProBuild going into administration, which has caused a $5 billion backlog of projects. Um, not to mention I've, I've worked like with products and whatnot and the supply chain has been terrible to get stuff in out of this country. So I dare say that would affect construction materials. So how are these things um, affecting this project? Look, the whole community has been affected in one way, shape or another. I guess these projects is probably people need to understand is it's the planning and the um, approvals you need to get it to appear. You know, we're not just building a stadium, we're building a suburb effectively. Um, mm. It's going to have, it's going to have a lot of infrastructure around this stadium. So um, that takes time and we've been working really hard. It's not like we've dropped the ball or something's going wrong or something like that. It's these things take time and people need to understand that and be patient and, when it all happens, it'll be, um, you know, it will be something that we're all going to be proud of. In hindsight, we all wanted the stadium built three years ago. No doubt. We all did that. But in reality, when you look at it, it was never going to be built in 12 months' time. And, and these things take time. And um, from everything we hear, from the people we speak to at the government and, and all the associate relevant uh, authorities, they're telling us we're doing it super fast. So uh, that's a positive. Um but we, as a football club, if I put my own football club hat on and, and that's all, I want to be in there tomorrow because I know okay. what, you know, it's going to give us that competitive advantage. And I'll, I'll say it again, but people don't understand how powerful that sense of belonging is going to be when, when we have our, what we call home and it's our home, you know, and no one, everyone's going to be, you know, envious of us. So we know that. Um, but... We've also got to be really patient and we've also got to build it in the right manner. So it is a really a competitive advantage and it's something that we're going to be super proud of. Oh, and again, can't wait till it's actually there. But speaking of home, I want to talk about our home away from home at the moment. And um, with this week and uh, the Tassie expedition underway, how are you finding the response from fans and locals in Tasmania noting the great showing uh, against Perth early season for our away game? Yeah, I think um, when Perth decided to go there, we were sort of taken a bit back by it because um, we've done a lot of work with the local community in Tassie and and we really enjoy going there. And, um, you know, yeah, until, um, I guess, until we got there and we saw the response we had in Season 2 has been amazing. And I, I expect these next two games coming up will be even bigger. And I'm really excited and can't wait for the 
community of Tasmania to join us and all our fans. You know, it is an opportunity we specifically um, chose this weekend, the Easter weekend, to try and get as many of our fans there as possible. Um, and we're really, we think it's going to be, again, we're going to have all the support and, and playing Perth and MacArthur there. We know they don't want to come there, but we, re- we want to be there. And, you know, we're, we're chasing down six points and it's really important for us in our in our journey this season to make, you know, Tasmania a fortress. You know, we've gone there now, played three um, games and um, we're, we're undefeated. Or we haven't lost in Tasmania and so we want to make sure we keep that. And does it feel like for the club that the investment in Tasmania is showing and is it likely to keep continuing? Yeah, so we've got a desire for it to keep continuing. Um, we believe, you know, Tasmania is a really important market. Um, you know, I know they've got ambitions to have their own A-League team, but for us as a new club, it's an opportunity, A, to grow the Tasmanian market, but also um, work with the local clubs to ensure that we get first crack at any local talent that comes out of Tasmania, you know. Like, in the future, we want players like Nathaniel Atkinson that came out of Tasmania to become a Western United. And so the investment is not just on... The what we see on a match day. It's also what we can do with the community and growing, um, growing. You know the participants and the fan base in Tasmania. You know, one day if they do get an A League team, people will say, "Well, why you've done all this work?" But you know what? If they do, that means we've got an automatic rivalry, which again is going to be something positive. But these things take time. You know, the Hawks and the, and the Kangaroos went there as well to Tassie. And over time, they've grown those markets to be really powerful for those clubs. So we're, we're trying to follow a similar model. That's a really good long-term strategy there. And I guess I'd be performing quite well. So I'm hoping to see it continue. Um, now, on to another part of the, the brand or the West United's growing is the A-League W team is it's getting ready to first season, next season. How is that going? Yeah, look, we're waiting just on the final confirmation of um, the license and, and what's what it's going to look like for next season. That's something that we're super proud of. You know, it's something that from day one we wanted to have in this club and we wanted to have an A-League women's team. Um, you know, we want it to be genuine. You know, for us, gender equality is critical. Um, we want every boy and girl that lives in the west of Melbourne to aspire to play for Western United. At the moment, we, we don't provide that pathway because we don't have an A-League women's team. But that's going to change. And that's really exciting for us, especially leading into the Women's World Cup. Um, we want future generation of girls to, to love our game, to play our game, and to really be supporters of Western United. So that's our vision. Um, we also, you know, we want to complete our club. You know, we want to make sure we compete in the top level of football in this country at all levels. So that's something that we can't wait to be part of. And, um you know, we're, we've done a lot of work. We've been working on it for now over 18 months. Um, we were ready to enter the competition last season, um, which means we're ready to, we're prepared. We've done a lot of good work with Calder and, and we continue to do a lot of work with Calder and, and we really want to um, encourage all the girls in the West to get behind this new team. And not only that, all the girls that play, you know, this is going to be your chance to obviously be part of something on the national stage. That's, that's really great. Um, uh, Kelsey and I had the benefit of being at the Chairman's Club function um, on the Ballarat game. You may have seen us. Oh, we were on the beers. Yeah. Um, and Amanda Stella spoke out. That was on the International Women's Day. And they had Women's a couple Day, of... Yeah. yeah. 
And that was a, a great speech from Amanda and really looking forward to see what comes of that. Also, to mention, the uh, West United Cup that's coming out of Ballarat as well in the future, which is another great development there. Yeah, it's a great initiative and, and it's an all, you know, at the moment where we launched it, it's going to be targeted at all the women's clubs and junior clubs in in, um, in Victoria to come and play um, in Ballarat, and maybe not only Victoria, that is, and, and to play in a competition um, to give young girls opportunity to a, improve their skills but also for us to work with and, and hopefully one day represent Western United so I'm really excited guys and I can't wait to see you guys there on the beers at the women's games as well <laughs> 100 we'll happen. be there Amanda's <laughs> told us we need to be there we'll be there yeah. 100% um, um, I just want to turn uh, attention to the now so the team's currently sitting in second and comfortable within the top four how how is and what is the group's minds uh, state heading into the final games of the regular season? And our mindset from the start of the year has been we need to work hard, and, and and the outcomes will look after themselves. So with five games to go, we're we're keen to finish off the season strong to solidify our spot at the pointy end of the table, and then hit the finals uh, on the you know with the best form possible. And um, we believe this team is a special group. We believe this team has worked hard all pre-season and, and we believe um, they can do something special come the finals. Definitely agree. Well, I, every, when we spoke with uh, John earlier in the season, he was, he was very adamant about distilling a, a, and a, like joining in on that culture that's been established previously. Speaking of John, um, him and Foxy have ja- drastically changed our play style and our table position since last season, um, which has been quite praise from fans. We've kind of expect um, said that we're going to do well. What are your expectations in going into finals? Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, what I will say about John and Foxy and, and their playing style and everything they've done is uh, the work ethic that they've instilled into the club is at a different level. And as a result, um, the benefits of that are where we are on the table and the growth I've seen in, you know, the players and the playing group has been fantastic. So as that here, CEOs, what are my expectations? Um, I have to be honest, you know, when we came into this season, if you'd told me we'd be sitting second on the table with five rounds to go, I would have, I would have said, where do we sign? Um, uh, what I will say is this. This group is a special group. Whatever they do, I'll be proud of them. But... I believe um, we've all got the belief that we can go really far and, and you know, we will do the hard work to ensure that um, we hold ourselves and give ourselves the best opportunity possible. Love it. Um, now, here's a bit of a one. Where do you see the club at in five years? And if you say full trophy cabinet, I'll be very happy. Um, where do I see the club in five years? I see us having our own stadium, a fortress. I see us having... Um, real um, uh, genuine pathways both on the boys and girls side. I see us being a very successful club both at A-League men's and A-League women's that consistently strives to finish in the top four um, in the regular season and then whatever happens after that will happen. I do expect us to have some silverware. We're a club that is ambitious and we have a vision to be a very successful club. Um, I also see us having a real genuine connection with community 
that is really important for us. Um, we need to make sure, uh, and you know, as we get out of the pandemic, we needed to make sure that every boy and girl in the community that plays football supports us, that goes to school in the West, knows and, and, and wants to be part of our journey, um, that all of us who are, you know, adults in the West, you know, bring our friends along, come to this journey, and we create a real great environment that, you know, everyone in the sporting landscape in, in Australia is proud of. So that's what we want to create. That's where we want to be in five years' time. But, you know, it's going to be, it's not going to be smooth smiling. We need to work hard. We need to make sure that we we all play our role and, and you know, and are clear on what we want to achieve. And, look, I'm super excited. I love this club. I love the journey we're on. And um, it's been an amazing, amazing journey to date. But there are better things ahead of us. I completely agree. Now, look, we always ask this question on the final note. But I think more importantly, as we head into the finals, this question is really important. And that is, what's the message you'd like to pass on to the fans as we head into the finals? Um, to the fans, I want to say um, a couple of things. First thing I want to say is, as we get into the finals, come and support the club. Come and support the team. Be there. Be proud. And really celebrate what we've achieved this season. I think it's an opportunity for us to all be, all be there together and enjoy it. I think it's an opportunity for all of us to also bring some people that haven't been there before. Um, an opportunity to bring some other additional fans that, you know, we can all try and if we all have a target, let's try and convert five, ten mates to become Western fans. Um, let's do that and let's enjoy it. Let's really, really enjoy it together. And um, other than that, I just, you know, I just want to say thank you. Um, everyone at the club appreciates the support. And um, without the loyal fans, um, our job wouldn't be as enjoy enjoyable. Oh, great. Thank you very much for your time today. And as per the norm, as you will, because you're always on, um, thank well, you very much. Well, I'm going to make a deal with you guys. I'll, I'll come on again in the lead up to our um, first final. Let's do that. And let's build oh, up the pump up. And um, let's, let's, uh, let's keep doing what we're doing. And, um, you know, if we all work hard together, I'm, I'm sure we're going to have some great things ahead of us. And you guys ready for the game preview? Alright. <clears throat> now, let me just scroll down. Now, with a short turnaround time on Tuesday the 19th of April, we take on the sixth place Bulls in a franchise derby. I said it because I want to upset the people that get upset about things being called a derby. And yes, it's probably been coined before. I just thought it'd be fun. Um, this could not be more crucial for the boys in green and black who, who fight to keep the premiership hopes alive. Of our four previous games, we have one win, one draw, and two losses. The Bulls have had, we kind of discussed this earlier in the previous game, so they've kind of had a run of mixed form. How do you think this will go, Scott? I think, as I said before, I've just got a bad feeling about this one, look, I, I wish it wasn't, but I'll being honest, I've got a 2-1 MacArthur game. Love it. Bit of a doomsayer. Interesting. Kelsey, you didn't touch on your feelings. Go nuts. 
So, first of all, I really enjoyed Jay's um, eye expression during while Scott was talking. It seemed like he was shocked. I know he was probably doing something else, but it seemed like he was genuinely shocked the way the eyes were popping out by that prediction. Um, Do you I know why, Chelsea? Because <clears throat> briefly, your screen just turned into, like, an angelic horror show. Like, in the sense of, like, what the Bible would describe an angel. It, you, all the pixels just started, like, swirling and forming in ter terrifying ways and it honestly scared me very briefly um i can't wait to look back at that <laughs> <laughs> me neither now um well then as the angel of death i'll predict death to macarthur and say 2-1 <laughs> to the boys in green and black um i think we play really well in tassie um i, I really think we're gonna get a momentum swing from the weekend i think sometimes playing you know a week inside and capitalizing can give you all the confidence and all you need Love it. Did you say score prediction, Kelsey? Yeah, 2-1. Two, one. Two, one. So, sorry, Angel I was getting death. a tipping cop bump. Sorry. Um, Jay, prediction and thoughts. Goals, go ahead. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I understand where Scotty's coming from, but I, I probably would be the same had I not personally witnessed the game on the weekend. Um, I'm going to go 2-0 to uh, Western United. I think we're going to have our heads up. Um MacArthur have been inconsistent. It does, honestly, it all depends on the night. Like, it could go either way still. But um, based off what I've seen, what I know, I'm going to say 2-0 Western United at the very least. Um, I see that clean sheet. I see Scotty giving um, Young three votes next week. And I, I see us going into our away games with our tails up. So, yeah, 2-0. Look, I must as Jay did mention before, it does really depend what type of MacArthur rock up. If they come, if they come, you know, full ready to play, that's where I see the two-one because MacArthur did that to us last game. They come ready to go; they weren't losing that match. But then you can also go to MacArthur, where it could be another six-nil win to Western United. They could just hit the bricks. Well. <clears throat> Our last game against MacArthur, well, we've only played MacArthur once this season. It was 2-2. And if you remember, we were up 2-0 until the 75th minute. And then we, we botched it. Um, if we're up 2-0 in the 70th minute this week, uh, guarantee it we're not losing from there. Guarantee it. I want to see 4-0 up at half time. <laughs> I want to see that again as well. I'd love to see that. And a that Wales hat <laughs> Those both would be good. Um, being realistic... I think it'd be like a, I think it's a 3-2. I think there's going to be, both teams are going to come firing. They both want a good spot in finals. They're also on a, a one-game win streak like us. <coughs> Sorry. Um, but we've won a lot more games. I think we can do it 3-2. Any, anything, anyone want anything particular from the lineup? Same lineup as last week. Start that exact same lineup. Maybe if you want, tweak it around, throw it around, um, so we're not always starting Wales in that false, like uh, in that slightly reserved position because you know you do want to change things up. But um, I think attacking wise, they're not going to be able to do much. Still with with that, um, like sorry, defensively, that's that's probably the lineup we put forward last week is the hardest one to defend against. So I'd, I'd want to go with that one. I don't want to be scoring goals rather than playing um, playing for clean sheets specifically. 
Look, I see no need to drop anybody. I think just continue to line up from the last game and then make tweaks if you have to in the second half. But I don't think we need to change anything for this week. That's the other big question. What what team will we we play? Generally, when we play a midweek clash or game, whatever, they, um, they do mix it up a bit. They do start resting a couple of players. So, the you know, it depends whether he's going to go all out for the plate and continue to play all, all the full squad or whether he will, uh, Aloisa will start resting a couple of the players to maintain them for the finals. So it, it could be a 50-50 on what team Aloisi play, plays. I hope he plays a full strength side. I just got a feeling he might not, just because his eyes will be set on the toilet seat rather than the plate. Here's another thing to take into account is uh, MacArthur have victory on Friday as well, so that's another tough game for them. Will they take everyone to Tassie? Will they settle a few people in Melbourne and just let them acclimate for a week? Mm. Who knows? It's going to be interesting, but it's going to be a fun one. I can't wait to watch it. They're playing for The victory game. difference. They're, they're yeah, sorry, just the finals. Yep, sorry. Yeah, and that for them, if you could pick a game to win between us and victory, you'd pick victory every time because you want to take points off victory. MacArthur aren't catching us. Um, the victory could still be a real problem for them because that could be a team that they might have to play. So I, I think if you're going to bring out your your guns, if you're MacArthur, you're going to bring them out against victory. Still yeah, going to come to play to win against Western, but I'd be more worried about the victory fixture. And just correct me if I'm wrong for us. After this, we pretty much only play weekend games from here on out, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think – I'm not too worried about this little four-day break because after this, we get a break till the weekend and it's just one-week games. I suspect we go full strength. Given that MacArthur have had the three games within the space of a week, I suspect you might be right – and that they rest some players for this game. Oh, we have Trying a to get them out the victory game. one. We have a Wednesday night game against Jets. When's that? Uh, the 4th of May. So next week. Okay, so we might have to rest someone somewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so that's the thing. I don't reckon MacArthur will... They, they can't afford to rest any. Because if they can take a chance against... They're playing four finals. We're in finals. We're guaranteed finals, basically. Yeah, we're, they're, we're they're still playing for the Premier's plate and that week off as well. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'd they're, still push. I'd, I'd be pushing for that week off because that extra week off in finals, you know, it's a guaranteed semi. you got to push for that, man. But you don't, so you, we want it just as much as they do. Will it be worth the risk if someone's fit sore and they could injure themselves and miss finals? That's the thing. It's not worth... The, the risk. I hear what you're both saying. It's going to be interesting to see what both teams field, but let's keep it moving because um, this could be a long podcast today. Um, let's get into the tipping comp. Now, coming first, still methodical flamethrower, destroying this at 66 points. Woodstar 99 at 63. Sherlock Machine dropping down to third on 61. I reckon he forgot while he was camping. Yeah, he did. 
He did have a big camper trip. Uh, Jeff coming fifth on 59th. Me coming sixth on 57, just ahead of old Harris Mania. Leb coming eighth on 50 points. Now, Scott, you're having a good season, Tips. Thank you. Well, not in the AFL one, you're going really good. This one, not so much. Um, would, would you believe I actually I have done my tips for this week in the A-League comp? Have you done why. it? Would... Yeah, I, I'm confused. I jumped on the app and I thought I did it. It was uh, oh, this week coming. At least, at least you're beating Gerald. Come back. Now, that's good. We've got a good prize for that. So we'll announce that for finals. Um, that's about it for us today because uh, it's going to be a long one because we've got the interview in here. Now, any final comments for today, guys? I'm still that I have not gotten a tip wrong all year in the tipping comp. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I never signed up, but I haven't gotten one wrong. Mm. Just like how I've got an undefeated boxing record. Exactly. I also have an undefeated <laughs> boxing record. Congratulations. I'm undefeated in the UFC too. <laughs> Kane Vlaquez has never tapped me out. Or knocked me out. I'm, it's sure, I'm sure he could. Um, <laughs> also, for, yeah, while we're on that free cane. But um, if you if you knew about that, Wallace, did you know about that? Yeah, yeah let's not get into it. Let's not get into it. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I suppose if we move on to carded or like... No, no, let's skip all that week. stuff. This, we've got enough skip content this week. No, no, no. i got one card. Don't worry you. about it then. No, no, no. Okay. no. Let's skip carded for the hundredth. Nah, Scott's got oh, a card. Yeah. Let's bring it out, buddy. Red card to Caleb. Oh, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to allow that, yep. <laughs> yeah, let's vote on Dang. it. Red card to... Yep. So, like, I think that's straight reds, four reds. We've never agreed on a red before. You know what? Um, let's card. make a new rule. We're going to add a new rule just for soccer for this red card, but 50-metre penalty as well. Red card and 50-metre penalty. <laughs> <laughs> and he owes us all around. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. He's been strangely absent the last few weeks. And uh, we both did the same trip to Tassie. Slightly different flights, but same trip. Should have made it today. Week. But, yeah. Uh, well played, Scott. Any Anything else you guys like to touch on before we finish today? Nah, I'm good. Nah. Once again, thanks to everyone that listens and for making because, you know, Thanks to the club. They help make all this possible as well. Uh, Wallace, obviously, big thanks to you because you help set everything up every week, week in, week out. So I couldn't be – we wouldn't have got to 100 episodes without you for sure, buddy. So mwah, love you. Thanks, thanks, everyone, for sharing your opinions. And uh, I'm glad I don't have to mix your audio stems anymore because I hate your voices. Actually, <laughs> actually, I do want to say, you know, I wanted to give you credit because you've appeared on 99% of the episodes and you've produced oh. 100%. Mm. I missed two episodes. It was a, a normal episode while when my my second daughter was daughter born, and I missed the episode four, I believe it was, which is a Western Service Crew meetup. Which Ricky oh, but you're in made. the overall episode. I think you did a bit of a voice for that. So technically, yeah, I did a voice for that it. one. So okay, it's so only the one episode. Yeah, but that I shouldn't appear in that. That was terrible. That's there's a reason that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but yeah. 
thank you everyone for listening over the course of the three years. It's been amazing. Just it's been a blast to do all the people we've met, all the people we've talked to, all the podcasts, um, people in the community. It's amazing all the grassroots people who are content creators that make this game more enjoyable. Is that some kind of vodka drink, Scott? Is, yeah, that, is that a cruiser? cruiser? That's a cruiser. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> well played. What you're wasted on a Monday. Scott's drinks thus far tonight, a Prima, a Carlton Giraffe, a Vodka Cruiser. The Holy and Trinity a dare. Oh, that, that feels like indigestion to me. That just... But yeah, yeah. In, all, in all honesty, thank you, everyone. Thank you for everyone who's been a guest. Thank you, Kelsey, for being on majority of these episodes. Scott, as well, thank you. It's been an amazing process getting to 100 episodes, and we just clocked in at an hour. But it's been really fun. Thank you for listening. And um, don't forget to like, subscribe, review, send us some funny messages or some stuff about conspiracies. What do you think of David Icke? Let me know. Um, but, yeah, all West, aren't we? All West, aren't we? All West, aren't we? All West, aren't we?